Good. So we've been, uh, for this little season, we've been uh, in 1 Corinthians. We've been looking at 1 Corinthians. I'm going to just come to something in a moment in 1 Corinthians. And then for the next sort of seven, eight weeks or more, the next couple of months, we're going to be, we're going to have a summer in the Psalms. Okay, and particularly, we're going to pick up the theme of worship uh, in all sorts. Of, and we're going to have a number of different people uh, going to be speaking and leading us, which we look forward to. So a summer in the Psalms with the theme, theme of worship. So we'll look forward to that over the coming weeks. And um, we do plan to come back to 1 Corinthians at least briefly in the uh, early part of September. There's a couple more uh, key things that we just want to highlight. But as I was uh, thinking and praying and reflecting uh, at the beginning of the week and just saying, Lord, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> um, uh, where should we head today? Where, sh- where should we go? I just was going through um, 1 Corinthians. I was looking at a couple of the, the commentaries. Commentaries are things that uh, theologians, Bible, uh, uh, people have written about uh, the books of the Bible. And I came across this slightly unusual phrase. I'd like to put it up here. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 7. Paul says, he says, what makes you different from anyone else? This was the phrase. What do you have that you did not receive? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? What do you have that you did not receive? I want to look very briefly today, mindful of the children, and we want to come to communion as well, but I want to look at one of my most favorite themes in the whole of the Bible, which is the grace of God, the grace of God. I come, my church background as a child was a very, very legalistic background, uh, a background where there were lots and lots of laws. Most of them weren't written down, but they were understood. Everything from the length of your hair to the clothes that you wore, even to the cars that you might drive, the way you spoke, it was all, uh, as it were, laws to be kept by His grace. God released us as a family from that. <clears throat> We've been thankful ever since. And I thank my dad for the way he listened to God and led us, led us out of that. The grace of God. Grace is a, a word that the Apostle Paul uses right at the very start of the letter. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And it's almost the very last letter he uses, a word he uses as well. So 1 Corinthians 1 verse 3. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how he starts the letter. In verse 4. I always thank my God for you because of his grace given in Christ Jesus. And then almost the very last thing he says, right at the end, chapter 16, verse 23, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. So grace and peace right at the beginning and the grace of the Lord Jesus right at the end. And then a couple of times in the middle, uh, he specifically uses the words, uh, chapter 3, verse 10, by the grace of God has given me I laid a foundation as a wise builder. Someone else is building on it. Each one should build with care. And then in chapter 15 and verse 10, 
wonderful sentence. Take this away, meditate on it throughout this week. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. Now, I, I worked harder than all of them, the other, other apostles, yet not I, but the grace of God that was in me. I, uh, I love meeting people from other nations and other places. And one of the things that I love is people from Africa. And I know we've got some Africans even here. Hello. <laughs> but, uh, one of the things when often if you meet an African, particularly from certain nations, one of the things, and I always remember in my previous church, there was a lady, whatever we talked about, she would say, yes, by the grace of God. Yes, by the grace. Of, and everything was by the grace of God. It's the grace of God. And I think we miss that sometimes. We forget that. I grew up saying grace. Does anybody know what? When we say grace, anyone younger? They're all on their phones. They are listening. The thing is, you see, I know that they're listening. I know stuff's going in. But they're doing their games as well, and that's okay. What, when we say grace, come on, what happens? Mealtime. Mealtime. Some of us are going, oh, I don't know. What, what, what's that saying grace? Giving thanks. Just giving thanks. Let's going to take a moment to give thanks. So grace is, is there through everything. It's actually there in the background in the whole of Paul's letters. It all starts with grace and it all finishes with grace. And everything that happens in between is because of and by the grace of God. Paul says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. What is grace? What is grace? Well, I grew up with one of those Acronyms, I'm sure some of you will know it, G-R-A-C-E. Do you, do you remember that one? Oh, it's already up there. She's, <coughs> you've jumped the gut. No, sorry, I really appreciate it. It's not. God's riches at Christ's expense. You remember that one? Have you heard that one before? God's riches at Christ's expense. The undeserved favor, blessing, Riches, mercy of God poured out on me because of my works. Because of the money that I've given. Because of the old lady I helped over the road. Who is that old lady we help over the road? I don't know. The undeserved favor, blessing, riches, mercy of God poured out on me because of Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus. Whenever I think about grace, I'm always taken back to the song that we used to sing some years ago. Some of you will know this song. The grace of God upon my life is not dependent on me. On what I've done, or deserve, but a gift of mercy from God, which has been given unto me because of his love, his love for me. Can you, can you remember it? It is unending, unfailing, unlimited, unmerited. We don't deserve it, 
the grace of God given unto me. It is unending, unfailing, unlimited, unmerited, the grace of God given unto me. Grace. God giving me what I don't deserve. Mercy. God not giving me what I do deserve. Got that? Grace. God giving me what I don't deserve. Mercy. God not giving me what I do deserve. I was far. I was dead. I was in sin. The grace of God is revealed to me. In His goodness, in His mercy, He set me free. He sent His Son to die for me. He poured out blessing upon blessing upon my life. Unending, unfailing, unlimited. John, the Apostle John, he says, grace upon grace. It's not just a little bit. It's not just enough. It's that picture they talk about having that that sort of wooden tub where you pour in. It's the measure of the corn. And then you get to the top and it just keeps on going. Grace upon grace. It's the overflowing heart of God given to me. Undeserved, unmerited, unearned mercy not giving me what I deserve. Justice because of my sin. Just punishment. Death. Separation. But in His grace and mercy, He has come to me. He set me free. He died for me. The truth is, everything I have is from Him. Because of his grace. James 1 verse 17. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the father of the heavenly lights. Who does not change like shifting shadows. Everything. One of the biggest challenges in our, in our world today. But it's always been there from, almost from the beginning. It's, it's, been, it's mine because of my effort. It's mine because I earned it. Because... It belongs to me. Nothing belongs to me. It's all His. It's all His. But what He said there in Genesis was receive this gift of creation. Now care for it. Love it. Grow in it. Prosper in it. Multiply in it. Look after it. But I'm giving you it as a gift. We haven't done very well. We need to keep coming back and recognizing it's from Him. Everything I have is from Him. Some of us are really into being very tidy people. Some of us are not so tidy. You'll know which one you are. But I, do you know, I think there is something that we need to be aware of. Please don't get into condemnation if you're not such a tidy person. But one of the reasons we keep things a bit up together, that we look after the things that we have been given, whether it be our front lawns or our back lawns or our cars or anything that we have, is because it's from Him. I don't know if I'm pressing some buttons today, but we need to think about that. It's from Him. 
Everything, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. By the way, isn't it good to know that our heavenly Father does not change? Just as an aside, does not change. Does not change. Boy, are we living in a changing world. Things are changing all around us. But we have one who is fixed in eternity that we can look to. Things are changing around you, situations, whether that be a a medical announcement or a financial situation, a governmental situation. We We can feel ourselves being pulled and pushed, tossed and turned, but we fix our eyes on Jesus. We fix our eyes on the one, the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change. Hallelujah. Completely lost my place. (laughs) And not only does he not change, he constantly pours out his grace and his mercy, unending, unfailing, unlimited goodness onto each one of us. And Paul wants them, and he wants us to know and to get a grasp of this. He wants us to understand this grace. It's why he begins the letter with it. It's why he finishes the letter with it. It's why that thread of grace is right there, all the way through, actually, his letter He wants us to get a hold of this. Why? Because if we do, it will shape the whole way that we think, the way that we act, and the way that we live to the glory of God. It will shape us. The context here is that one of the big issues in the church in Corinth, and we've mentioned this before, it was pride. Pride is a big issue. It's there right the way through the letter. And Paul is a, <clears throat> he's coming against it. He's attacking it. But this leaning on, relying on, promoting of self. They had let the culture around them, which was very strong there in Corinth and that part of the world, the spirit of the age affect them. It had come into the life of the church And they were glorying in the love of wisdom and fame and prestige. Uh, And do you know, in the Olympics at that time, they would even have debates. It was an Olympic sport to debate. How it was judged, I don't quite know. But it, it was highly regarded in terms of who had the most wisdom, who had the most debating skill, as it were. They were actually known for boasting about the things that they were doing. Some of them deeply sinful. Some of them right against God and his ways. They were boasting about their roles. They were boasting about their intellectual abilities. They even were having debates about which apostle was the best one and which one who was following who. They looked and sounded like the world around them and nothing like the saviour servant king who they profess to worship and that's a challenge in our day and age isn't it we're so mindful thank you for coming with me in that time of prayer as we're praying for our nation 
But one of the things, Ashley and I were meeting with some other leaders this week and we were just talking and sharing. And God is calling us in this day to be a distinct people. So easy to say, hey, let's just shift a bit. Let's shift a bit so that we can bring as many as possible with us. And I was reminded even in the prayer meeting of those words of Jesus that narrow is the way. Broad is the path to destruction narrow is the Lord's way. And of course we want many to come to salvation. Of course we do. We want many to come in to the kingdom. We want many to be added into the family of God's people. But there is a challenge. Will we allow the world, the world's thinking, the way that the world that stands against God and his ways and his truth and his word, will we allow that to infiltrate our, our life together? Or will we fix our eyes on him? Will we honor the truth of his word? Will we stand for him? Potential to become harder and harder to do that, even when other Believers, so-called, will challenge us, provoke us in terms of our love. So it was a challenge in Paul's day. It's a challenge in our day. Paul is particularly concerned that the Corinthians were acting as if somehow they had produced their own giftedness. But the apostle cuts right through to the heart of it all. And asks one of the most important and beautiful questions in the whole of the Bible. What do you have that you did not receive? What do you have that you did not receive? I love the message version. I often go and have a little look, see how the message puts these things. It's a version of the Bible, verse 7. Isn't everything you have and everything you are sheer gifts from God? It's all because of the grace of God. Everything you have, everything you are, is because of the grace of God. Everything the Corinthians had, everything Paul has, everything we have is a gift of God. The cross, the spirit, the wisdom that God has revealed to us through the Lord Jesus Christ, any knowledge, any insight that they or we might have are all gifts from our Heavenly Father. None of us have earned them. And none of us deserve them. Grace, says Andrew Wilson, more than any other Christian teaching, pulls the rug out from under our self-reliance, our boasting and our pride. If everything that we have has been given us by God, then how on earth can we boast as if somehow it's ours by right? If everything we have has been given us by God, how on earth can we boast as if somehow it's ours by right? So I want to just very quickly give a couple of points of application. What do we do with this? This is great truth. We go away with this great truth. But what impact does it have on us today, tomorrow at the workplace, over the, over the garden fence and so on? What, what do we do with this? Where do we take it? Firstly... We give thanks for all that we have. When was the last time you gave thanks for what you have? Ephesians 5 verse 18. Don't get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery. Instead, 
Be filled with the Spirit, and we know that's a present continuous. That's not just a once, that's a be-being, filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. Everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I just want to commend to you again to give thanks. You say, this is very simple, Mark. It is simple, but it's profound. Because you see, if I start the day by saying, thank you, Lord, I'm putting him first, not me. Thank you, Lord, for the ability. Please help me as I go out into the workplace today or into my family context, wherever it might be, my situation. I need you. I start with you. I give thanks. I'm starting with him. So we give thanks for all that we have. Secondly, recognize and acknowledge that it's all from the Father of heavenly lights. Ephesians 1 verse 3, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. We come to the Father and we receive good gifts. It's not wrong to ask for good gifts and to receive good gifts. He wants to bless us, but not because I've done well today, but because he's a Father who blesses, in spite of how I've lived today. Now, grace teaches me to come to the Father and be obedient to the Father. Is it Jude, Titus, Jude, grace teaches me? James, grace teaches me to say no to ungodliness. I recognize, I come again, I say, Father, I've, I've failed, I've fallen. Receive again, receive again. Recognize it's all from the Father. Every spiritual blessing. Did I earn it? Did I deserve it? No. It's all of his grace and his mercy. But he gives gifts, and we want to use those gifts. And we've been looking at those in different ways. It's wonderful that Warren gave a gift of a tongue, a spiritual language, quite specifically. And we were preaching on this a few weeks ago, and I just felt this interpretation that would build us and help us in English, that pointing to the Father, giving glory to the Father and the Son. And there's, there's two gifts there. There's other gifts that have been exercised today, but it's from the Father. I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. It's because of His grace and His mercy. So I recognize all that we have and it, who it comes from. And then... We use freely what we have with joy without boasting and pride. We use what we have freely with joy without boasting and pride. Romans 12, For the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought. Rather, think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of you has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, though many, we form one body. uh, so, So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. 
If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Use what we have. You might say, oh Lord, I'm waiting for more. Are you using what you already have? I believe God does want to give more. I believe he wants to release more and more gifts. And all of these lists that we've just read here, all of these areas, the question is, am I freely and with joy using what I've already been given? Because I believe as I do, God will then add to that. He will, will give me more. And you say, Lord, I've got grace for this. This is what I've got grace for at the moment. This measure, then use that measure. Use it joyfully, cheerfully, freely. Use the measure that you have. I know in the subject of, of giving and finance, I've discussed and talked with many people over the years in church life, and, and people will say, I don't have much that I can give. No, but bring it with joy. Bring it cheerfully. Bring it with faith. Bring it sacrificially. And see what God will do. See how he will multiply so give thanks, recognizing that what we have is from the Father. It's not by my effort, it's not earned, it's not by good works. Use what we have with joy, without boasting or pride. Here's another one. Don't cling on to it or hold tightly or waste. That's the other side of the coin, what we have. You see, sometimes you can say, I've got this, I'm going to hold on to it in case I lose it. A dear friend of mine used to say very regularly, used to say, you know, the tighter I hold on to something, the less of a grip I've got on it. Now, this may or may not be relevant to some of you, but there are, there are those times where you're, you're holding on to something, you're clinging on to it. Sometimes it's because of fear, circumstances. Uh, I'm just going to keep this safe over here. Not recognizing that what we have is from this Father who in his grace, undeserved, unmerited, poured out his grace upon us. Freely you have received. Freely you have received. Freely give. Open-handed, open-hearted. Why? Because of his grace. But the other side of that coin is that we can actually go the other way and we say, oh, it's all a grace. I can, whoops, I, can, I can do what I like, you know, when I like. It's like, and we waste the grace of God. In fact, it's a phrase sometimes Ashley and I use a bit, we're aware of, it gets used in perhaps a bit in Leadership circles or even in theology, cheap grace. I've had the sadness, and Ashley has as well, more than once, of a believer saying to me, it's okay, God will forgive me. It's okay, God will forgive me. Now I say it's sad because, yes, he is a God who forgives. 
But as I understand His grace, my life becomes one of obedience and love and worship to Him. It's okay. And, and actually, I'm wasting grace. I'm wasting the grace of God. I'm literally trampling on it. It's okay to, to leave my wife and my children or, or my husband and my children. It's, like, it's okay because God will forgive me. It's trampling on his grace. It's wasting his grace. He'll forgive me. It's a complicated technical understanding. But there's that two sides. Freely you've received, freely give. But recognizing the grace of God and not wasting it. And then we come to communion. Abby, I'd love us to sing. So I've lost sight of Abby. She's at the back. I'd love us to sing and then we'll, we'll get the communion in a moment. Here's my last point. And there's a scripture. The very heart of the grace of God is revealed to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember this? Though he was rich, yet for your sake became poor. Why? So that through his poverty, you might become rich. Hallelujah. It's an incredible exchange, the grace of God. I deserved judgment. I deserved separation from my Creator. I did not deserve His blessing, His favour, His mercy. But the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though He was rich, He being in very nature God, did not consider equality to be grasped, to use to His advantage, but made Himself Nothing. Philippians chapter 2. Taking the very nature of a servant, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death. Even death on a cross. Ephesians 1 verse 3. Praise to God the Father and of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us. Chose us in Christ to be holy without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son. As we come to communion, can I just invite you to stand for a moment? I'm just going to read. Can you leave that up, um, the verses up there, just for a second? Yeah, okay, thanks. He's so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his Son, forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. The 
precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The grace of God revealed in the gift of His Son. The ultimate demonstration of grace and mercy. The Father giving to us what we did not deserve. Withholding from us what we did deserve because of the precious blood of the Lord Jesus.